Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the seventh episode of the Spotted 2 Wide Banana College Football Podcast presented by Never Settle Sports. I'm your host, Gabe Hooven, and alongside with me is Patrick O'Donnell. And uh, this is our first episode under Never Settle Sports. It is a new uh, sports company that we have founded. It is, um, I know we, we just created a website. Uh, our blog is obviously under this. And uh, we're so excited to do this. And Patrick, I know you wanted to take the lead on explaining to everybody what the website's about and uh, our new company and everything. And I know we're both so excited and uh, a lot's to come. And this is just something, this is just, we haven't even started yet. And I'm so excited. Yeah, man. And uh, Never Settle Sports is just something we came up with like last week, actually. And um, my girlfriend, Lauren Viola, made us a website and we got like, we just tag team that. And then uh, we have blogs and this podcast on there. You can find the links to that. Uh, right now we're covering college football. And then once college football season's over, it's going to be a long season without football and stuff uh, at the collegiate level, at least. So we're going to be diving into all different types of sports, everything you can imagine. You can find it at Never Settle Sports. Um, I'll get the link in the description of this podcast, and it'll be ready for you guys whenever you need. So um, really excited for us and for everyone who's listening, because you can find all of our podcasts and blogs on there. So I'm just excited for Never Settle Sports and this podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know what you mean. Like I said, I'm, I'm so excited. and um. You know, this is a partnership that we just started, and um, I know we're both hoping that this goes a long way because, you know, I'd love to do this as a career and everything, and uh, we need all the support we can get. And like you said, you know, to go on past the season, uh, you know, alongside from uh, along, uh, college football, we're going to, you know, have college basketball, which I'm going to love to take a huge lead on and uh, cover the SEC because, you know, being a huge Auburn basketball fan, um, there you cannot miss the SEC during the season and, uh, you know, the rest of college basketball and we're going to get a lot of people to do that with us and write blogs and, you know, get on podcasts and talk about it. And eventually the websites, you know, is going to have separate categories, basketball. And, you know, we're going to cover, you know, the NFL, the playoffs. And, you know, next year when it all when it all gets together and next year we might come out with something for fantasy football, you know, just for example, to start out the next year. So uh, this is just the start of something new. And we're just going to see where it takes us, man, honestly. And uh, I'm so excited, dude. So, um, yeah. Like, I mean, like you said, um, we're just going to dive into every sport you can name. So, and every league. So once we're get once we get rolling with this, I mean, it's, it's going to be, all, yeah, all bets are off. So, yeah. So uh, without further ado, let's get right into, you know, this week of college football. And, um, I, you know, I was talking to my dad. I said, this is probably the biggest, I, I say this every podcast because it's just like a, just a steady, uh, just incline. You know what I mean? You just get it. It's yeah. getting better and better every week. It's the best week of college football every week. It's getting better and better. And uh, the, the playoff is just reshaping and new teams are getting thrown in there. And uh, just a, a great example is Minnesota after a tough loss to Iowa this weekend. Um, a lot of questions may be, are they going to get in the playoff? Baylor, you know, they, they played great against Oklahoma in a game that we both think that uh, everyone would think this. Everyone thinks that they should have won. So can they still get in the playoff? You know, they won the Big 12. There's just a lot to uh, examine and go over. And um, like I said, without further ado, let's go right into the rankings. And coming at number one is LSU, following a big win against Ole Miss. Coming at number two was a big win for Ohio State. Not a big win, but uh, Ohio State over Rutgers. And I want to give a huge shout-out to the Rutgers football program for managing to put 21 points on Ohio State. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that's the most points Ohio State's given up all year. And it's crazy to think that that's yeah, right. It's, it's right around there. I mean – it's ridiculous what Ohio State's doing. And, I mean, yeah, it was their backups. But, like, 
we haven't seen anyone – I don't think we have seen anyone put 21 points up on this Ohio State team. So, a lot of, a lot of props to that. And Ohio State didn't cover. So, th- those of you who bet on Ohio State covering that game, I'm very sorry for you. Yeah, and um, but, but like I said, I think it was just, you know, a, week, a weekend where they – I think they treated it probably as a bye weekend. They're playing Rutgers. I mean, it's just kind of Rutgers is the worst team in the FBS, hands down. Um, so, I mean – uh, I guess you could say it's a great one for Ohio State. You know, they're still undefeated. Uh, them, LSU, and Clemson are the only undefeated teams left in the uh, FBS. So, um, yeah. Going at number three is the Clemson Tigers, following a huge win this weekend. Coming at number four is Georgia over a win against my Auburn Tigers, 21-14. And, you know, we're going to get into that. And, um, yeah, and, uh, number five is Alabama. And, um, you know, we're going to talk about Tua and his injury and um, what that means. And we're going to really go into that because uh, I don't think that's his fault, the, the fact that he got hurt. Uh, clearly, that's just Mother Nature's fault. But um, I think that could have been prevented, obviously. And, um, yeah, we'll dive into that. Uh, number six is Oregon. Number seven is Utah. Number eight is Penn State. Number nine is Oklahoma. Number 10 is Minnesota. Number 11 is Florida. Number 12 is Wisconsin. 13 is Michigan. 14 is Baylor. 15 is my Auburn Tigers. Number 16 is Notre Dame. Number 17 is Iowa. Number 18 is Memphis. Number 19 is Cincinnati. Number 20 is Boise State. 21 is Oklahoma State. 22 is Iowa State. 23 is USC. 24 is Appalachian State. And 25 is SMU. So I know before we wanted to go into this past week's games, and um, this week we're only covering five games, but these five games are going to last us a long conversation, and there's a lot to go into. But before we do that, uh, we're going to start out with our top six, and uh, I want to hear who your top six is after this week. All right. Um, I'll start it off in number six. At number six, I have Oklahoma. And I know their win against Baylor wasn't pretty, but, like, they shined in the second half. And, like, it was just ridiculous to me how well they played. And we'll dive into it more, just how they played offensively and defensively in the second half of that game that showed that they could definitely be one of the top four teams in the country. Number five, I have Georgia um, coming off of a big win against Auburn at Auburn. Uh, that's a huge win, no matter who the team is. And um, with Auburn, like, it's just – it's really tough to play there. And then the reason I don't have them in the top four is because they didn't really shine offensively. They had three really – like, three good drives, and that was it. And those were the, the three touchdown drives that they had defensively they shut Auburn out for the first three quarters and that's why they're still a very respectable team on defense and they still have a lot to work on offensively especially for the SEC championship now that they've clinched the SEC East but um, as of right now I have them at number five at number four I have Oregon each week in my opinion that some people might call me crazy but I really think Oregon's number four because Justin Herbert has improved week in and week out. He's gotten better every single game. He's probably going to be a top 10 pick in the upcoming draft, honestly. And people don't want to believe that, but it's, it's going to happen. So for number three, we have the Clemson Tigers. Uh, I mean, a lot of people think that they might be overrated. They're not. They probably are even better than number three. And, like, they just played the second-best team in their conference, and they beat them 52-3. to So I don't really know. Like, there's just so much to say about this Clemson team. And I know the ACC is not very good, but Clemson will compete in the top four and probably will compete in the national championship. But we'll just have to see down the road. 
At number two, I have the LSU Tigers. LSU's defense was the difference for me because I put Ohio State at one. LSU's defense gave up, a, I believe, like 400 yards rushing. And I, I might be crazy. I don't know if that's true. Um, but I believe that John Rice Plumley had 200 yards rushing alone at least. And LSU could not stop him. Granted, a lot of people can't stop him because he's so fast. But LSU's offense hasn't skipped a beat. But their defense, I'm not. I'm very worried about going forward, considering they can't stop a lot of teams. Um, and that number one, like I said, I have the Ohio State Buckeyes. Ohio State is just ridiculous. I mean, they gave up 21 points to um, a Rutgers team who is not good in any way. But they had all their backups and third string guys in. So I, you can't really take this game into account, in my opinion. Uh, I feel like Ohio State's the number one team in the country, regardless of the score on Saturday. And, yeah, that's my top six. Um, before I give you my top six, well, I'm actually doing a top seven. Actually, I'm including a team. Okay. Um, you're going to call me Danny Cannell Jr. strictly because Danny Cannell is an idiot and he makes some of the worst predictions I've ever heard in my life. So you're so going to think I'm so crazy. you're an idiot. <laughs> you're going to think I'm crazy, but just, just hear me out. Coming in at number seven is Oklahoma, and I think you know who is ahead of them. Um, Oklahoma is, is uh, let me just put it in number six. Number six is Baylor. Baylor's a better team than Oklahoma. I don't care what anybody says. The way that they shot out of that game, uh, the only reason they lost that game was momentum. They lost momentum, and it just killed them. And so I think Baylor, if they play them again, Baylor can beat them. And I really do. I, don't think, I think Jalen Hurts is kind of, Jalen Hurts is kind of overrated. Um, he played very poorly. Um, he's kind of a guy that draws back one second. If nothing's there, he runs. And that's really all there is to it. Oklahoma's offense is not high-powered. They're not going to be able to beat a Georgia team, an LSU team, uh, Ohio State, or LSU. They could score some points, but they, they really can't beat anybody uh, that's worthy. And, um, yeah, in the number six, I just think Baylor should have won this game. Uh, Baylor should have ran away with this game, you know, somewhere 56 to, to 27, somewhere around that range. So Baylor should have ran away with this game, and I, I just think Baylor will beat them again if they uh, have the opportunity. And coming at number five, I have Oregon. Uh, Oregon has played fundamentally sound lately, and uh, I see that if they win the Pac-12, they're going to get into the, the playoff. So um, maybe a Big 12 champion can get in over them. Uh, I doubt it since they're ranked ahead of them, but uh, it just depends. Uh, the last weekend of the the, uh, the call or the conference championship, if uh, like an Oregon team went seventeen to ten, and you know a Baylor team, for example, beats Oklahoma fifty six to ten, Baylor would get in over them, for example. And uh, coming in at number four is Georgia. I, uh, Georgia's offense is um, a red flag. It's uh, it's hurricane season over there. It's ridiculous. I mean, you you need to evacuate because it's terrible. Um, it's it's a natural crisis and. Um, their defense is, is, is awesome. They have an awesome defense, and uh, they've, you know, they've made a lot of plays. And uh, this weekend, I think a 21-14 scoreline is what a lot of people predicted. And uh, their defense is being able to shut down offenses. And uh, I think if they, you know, they played LSU, they can make a game for it. Their, their offense is something that, that does enough production for their defense to – this is really hard for me to elaborate, but uh, it, I, you know where I'm at with this. You yep. know what I mean? Their defense mm -hmm. does their job, and their offense keeps up. So in a game where they win like 13 to 16, their offense scores enough points for their defense to limit, if that makes sense. So with that said, I think if Georgia's offense can, uh, can get better, they can definitely win the national championship. But right now, I just, I'm not very confident on their offense. Uh, Jake Fromm's production is awful. So um, 
uh, with that said, number three, um, I have the LSU Tigers. Uh, LSU's defense is literally terrible. It's awful. Uh, the fact that uh, Ole Miss has 600 yards of total offense on them this weekend is, is ridiculous. That's, that's not acceptable, honestly. Um, it's really surprising for what LSU is known for. Um, we all knew their defense wasn't good, but we didn't know it was not this good. We didn't know it was this bad because their, their defense is so weak. And Stingley, I think his confidence has been hurt after he got burnt by Devontae Smith all weekend. And uh, Grant Delpit is still a little injured. Their pass rush is, is non-existent. Uh, they got, um, what's his name? I'm drawing a blank. Um, who'd they get back this week? Um, I'm drawing Offensively a blank. or defensively? Defensively. The, the guy that left the team. Oh, the linebacker. The linebacker, yes. We, we, um, Forget his name. I, I do, too. I mean, you could tell it to me right now, and I know it. I just, I'm drawing a blank. But anyway, he, uh, he's coming back, and uh, I, don't, I, mean, I can see him playing later in the year. But, um, you know, Ed Orgeron, I think with the momentum that he's got going, I just don't think he'll play him again um, since he left, whatever. Um, but I think their defense is very weak right now, and their offense is, um, is obviously firing at all, uh, all cylinders. And so we'll see how it plays out. Their defense has to make a lot of improvements. But uh, coming in at number two, this is where it gets tricky. Number two is Ohio State. I knew um, it. I, I knew it. <laughs> Ohio State, uh, offensively, they've yet to play the defense that's challenged them. They've yet to play. I mean, you can say Wisconsin, but Wisconsin's defense got tired in the second half. That's, that's why they ran away with the game. Because Ohio State's defense is so good and Wisconsin's offense is pretty bad. Not pretty bad, but they're kind of average. You know, they just kind of play a pro-style offense, eye formation. Yeah, I mean, all, all they have going for them for Wisconsin is Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor in their offensive line every other week, so. With that said, um, I, I just don't think Ohio State's had a challenge yet. And um, their defense kind of let us slip up this week. And their offense, I, I don't know. They just haven't played a quality defense yet. So, number one is the last team, is Clemson. Um, Clemson is absolutely murdering teams. And I don't know if you've watched the clips of Trevor Lawrence. He's, he's playing at the top of his game right now. They've kind of hit it on all cylinders on offense. Uh, they're scoring 56 points in the second quarter against ACC opponents. I mean, they literally beat the living shit out of Wake Forest this week. So, with that said, I mean, I just – I can't really say they're not a good team. Uh, they just haven't played anybody really worthy. And Wake Forest is a very good ACC opponent. And the way that they beat them, I, I think it was like 42-3 to at one point. I mean, it, it – It was 52-3 it was final. 52-3 final. Okay, so, I mean, they only held Wake Forest, who's a good offense in the ACC, to three points. So Wait, um, hold on. You actually just made a good point. Um. Yeah, wait. So Jamie Newman, um, I'm I believe he had less yards than Clemson's backup quarterback. So if that if you want to put things into perspective, that's just where you should like if a backup on Clemson has more yards than the starter starting quarterback for Wake Forest in a game that he only played probably the second half, maybe even the fourth quarter. And he had more passing yards than the starting quarterback at Wake Forest. Just put that into perspective. Yeah, and I mean, right now, um, a lot of, like, you know, Clemson's getting slept on. And uh, right now, they have the third overall total offense in the entire nation right now. So, And they put a top 40 offense with Wake Forest, who had a pretty bad defense. But they've been able to score points, which has, you know, saved them. And I know a lot of people thought this was going to be a better game. And nobody expected Clemson to do what they did to, um, to Wake Forest. So... Um, with that said, that's my top six. I know ours uh, go a lot different, but um, I feel good about this. I'm confident it's not, you know, I wrote this for just <laughs> ratings. That's not what I did. This is something I, I really feel like Clemson 
is the best team in the nation right now. I think their defense with Brett Venable, um, he, he's, he's got them just doing awesome right now, just doing their thing, doing what Clemson's known for. I think the pass rush has developed. Their defense has developed. I think they're doing a lot of what they did last year where they didn't start out so great, but they developed. They're a lot like the 2017 team. Uh, didn't do, out, do so well to begin the year. Developed as the year went on, got a couple big wins, got the confidence up, and they ended up uh, winning the national championship. So um, we're going to see how this plays out. And I think a lot of people are counting out Clemson because of that scary game against North Carolina. And now I look back on it, like if a team doesn't have to have a scary win just to, through their entire season, I mean, that's you're pretty fortunate because, you know, a lot of teams have scary games. LSU had Alabama. Um, Ohio State hasn't had anybody. They might have a scare with Penn State or Michigan because, you know, they got to play two of the biggest games that they've played all year this season or uh, this uh, in the la- next three weekends. So um, with that said, or next, they play Penn State, Michigan back to back, right? Yep. And so, then if they win those, which they assuming they do, they would go to the uh, they'd go to the Big Ten championship and probably play a Minnesota or a Wisconsin team. Yeah. So with Ohio State, I mean, they're going to have to play Penn State, Michigan. You know, they win both those games. They're going to have to go then exactly the next weekend or not the next weekend, two weekends later and play another uh, top. No, it's, the, it's oh. it, no, it's that next weekend, actually. Oh, yeah. Only December, get one December 4th. That's my, my fault. But um. I was thinking that the Army Navy game was, you know, a week off. I don't know why, mm-hmm. but um, yeah. With that said, I honestly think that uh, Ohio State, uh, their true character is going to come out this week, and uh, we're going to see how that plays out. But like I said, right now I have Clemson at number one. So to move on from that, uh, something I wanted to talk about was um, I know we talked about with Sean Clifford getting death threats following the Minnesota loss. And uh, personally, I, I don't know about you. I know I, I would hope you're the same. This is unacceptable no matter what the, the circumstances. I mean, this is ridiculous. You can sit in your living room and tell, tell your family you want to kill Sean Clifford because, you know, I've been there. I want to kill Gus Malzahn sometimes. But <laughs> obviously I'm not serious. So, But you get what I'm saying? I, I don't go hitting him up on Twitter and, hey, man, I want to freaking kill you. I mean, that's unacceptable. I mean, that, that's over the top. It's no class. And it really surprises me from a Penn State fan base, which, honestly, Penn State, or just the state of Pennsylvania, I mean, Quakers still live there. So I didn't really think people had this much anger, you know, because I really, I I didn't know that their fans didn't kind of see that they weren't going to be able to win a national championship. They didn't have that type of team. So I would hope that their team would have seen that, their fans. Because, you know, as a fan, you can always see we're not going to be able to win the national championship. You you just know. You know what I mean? So I, I, I don't know about you, but this is unacceptable for me. No, it it really is, and like, they're they've lost one game. He had one bad game. Like, the rest of the season, he's played very well, and he had one bad game, and he's getting death threats where they lose. And I mean, it's bad regardless of what happens. But like, you can't. He he can't even go on social media anymore. Like, he deleted it all just because he knows that he's gonna keep getting death threats and stuff. And that's just unacceptable to me, and I know it is to you. So I just don't understand it. Like, why would you do that? If It would be more understandable if this team was, like, 2-10 right now and, like, not in, even in a bowl. But in no circumstance is it, like, allowed. It's never allowed, and it's never right. And, like, it, it just boggles my mind that a top-10 quarterback, probably in the country or – or the quarterback who's leading a top 10 team is receiving death threats after one bad game. And I just find that absurd. And I mean, 
I don't think anything will happen, and I just I feel I feel for Sean Clifford because that's horrible. Yeah, I'm definitely with you there, and uh, I know you guys heard me out with what I said, but um, w- without further ado, the end, the end of the story is that that's not acceptable. No, no point as a fan should you threaten anybody on the football. You shouldn't threaten anybody for their performance in sports because I, I hate this term when someone says it's not that serious because as a sports fan, it is that serious. Auburn football, Auburn basketball has is a huge part of my life. I'm a huge Auburn fan. All I want to do is win. You lose, you get pissed. But then that's where you draw the line. That's where that excuse needs to be made. Now, if you get mad, you throw something against the wall, that's kind of different. That's when you – I hate that term that it's not that serious. Yeah, it is that serious. I, I want to throw a, a bottle against my, ball, or my, my wall. That's, that's different. But it's really not that serious when you're threatening somebody to kill them, to end their life. That's not acceptable. So uh, that's where that term should be used, and it's really not that serious. And at the end of the day, it's a game. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's not okay. So um, prayers up to Sean Clifford. Um, you shouldn't have to live through that, buddy, and uh, I wish you the best for the rest of the year. Um, moving on, Houston Nutt, the guy that drove Gus Miles on out of Arkansas. And if he didn't do that, who knows what Auburn football would be today and who knows what type of fan I would be today. Uh, not saying I'd, I'd be changed, but I wouldn't be as angry with our team because he wouldn't be our coach most likely. With that said, Houston Nutt got a call from the Arkansas Razorbacks. And personally, this just makes me smile because this is where you know Arkansas is at rock bottom. Well, I mean, I get what you're saying there. And that's – it's not – I don't know if it's rock bottom, but and I don't know how many teams – or how many guys they've made calls to. And he said, he said that he got a call. And I'm sure they've made multiple calls to other people. I don't know if they've been turned down or what. But like, there's there's probably a big long line of people in my or of coaches that they have called and have just declined because no one wants to go there. And I totally get you saying like it's they're probably at their worst right now because they're trying to hire a coach that they had like ten plus years ago, and that's you're you're almost backtracking. But I mean, in some senses, some people might be okay with the hire, but a lot of I don't know how they would feel about this hire. Um, who knows if he, if it's even true? Because like, I Arkansas didn't confirm it. He just told like the media that this happened. So who knows? Um, I think it would be a bad hire, and I think they need to move elsewhere. But if if it came down to Houston not being a top five guy that they wanted to call, that's ridiculous because it's sounding like they had no plan when they fired. Uh, their their past coach I forget his name why am I t- oh uh Chad Morris Chad Morris Chad Morris yeah thank you um when they fired yeah how could I forget seemed- how could I forget so. yeah I mean it just seems that they have no um had no plan if like Houston Nutt is being called a week and a half later after he was fired unless they've made a bunch of calls already and truthfully I don't know how many calls you can make in that amount of time um but what do I know yeah, I mean, I, I do agree with you that it's a bad hire. I don't think he was a great coach. I just think the only two coaches that, they ha- that they've had that were notable were Bobby Petrino and Houston Nutt. And you can't really hire Bobby Petrino because of what happened. Because I know I, I personally have went to school and I had a buddy of mine who was like, man, we should have never fired Bobby Petrino. And I was like, well, yeah, no shit. But you can't, as an organization, as a college football program, you can't have a coach who just lied. 
like that, the way that he did. Because let's be real, Bobby Petrino is probably the biggest scumbag of head coaches in college football that, that we've ever seen. Uh, besides Art well, Riles, maybe. Yeah, I was gonna, say, I was gonna say Art Riles. That's hold on, talking about <laughs> Baylor and and the the legend of Joe Paterno. Yeah, so. yeah, Joe Paterno. So, um, no, nah, I mean, they're, they're, that's Joe Paterno and Jerry Sandusky. That's sick. That's just dark sick. Then Bobby Petrino is just a scumbag. There's a difference. There's just being sick and there's being a scumbag. And Bobby Petrino is a scumbag. He's the type of guy that says he'll give you your money and then he just never pays you back. You know what I mean? So. <laughs> um, with that said, Houston, that's the only notable coach that they've had in the past, you know, uh, what, 15 years that's gotten them success, success. And the only year that they really had true success was 06. And who is the offense coordinator? Gus Malzahn. So um, wherever Gus goes, he always makes a difference. And um, the thing with Gus, though, is that um, I know this is a little off topic, but Gus, he's a short term type of guy. You know what I mean? So um, he's going to, you know, have production with the offense, and that's part of the reason why I think we, we should get rid of him because Gus is good wherever he goes. He's good for four years at a school and then four years at another school because he changes the offense with the statistics that he's done. And uh, I'm going to go into a whole depth of that with my article that's coming out this week. And um, it's going to tie into with Arkansas and what they should do. And I personally think that uh, we're going to fire Gus, and when we do, Arkansas is going to pick him up. And I think Arkansas's program is going to get back to 9-3, and 8-4, and four, and it really um, – a powerful SEC West team, and uh, I know Arkansas fans are going to be so happy. I don't understand why, but um, that's beyond me. But uh, without further ado, let's go right into Week 12. And uh, with our first game, we have number five, Alabama, going into Mississippi State and winning 38-7. to And uh, there's not much to say about this game besides the fact that Alabama was steamrolling Mississippi State, who's not a very good team. And, um, yeah, they were, uh, they were winning, and uh, they put two in with two minutes left, and he got hurt. And Nick Saban was going to bench Tua, and he did not. Tua convinced him to go back into the game, and we both know what happened. He sustained a hip injury, and he's out for the rest of the year. And his hip injury was a lot like what happened to Bo. So my first question to you, is it Tua's fault that he got injured, or is it Saban's fault? Well, what Saban said at halftime is that he was trying to get Tua in the offense just for this last. It was going to be his last drive. Um, they wanted him for a two minute, like a two minute drill. So I don't think it really. I don't think like Tua convinced him, or like, I think that was just kind of the plan going into the game. Um, I'm not totally sure though, but I feel like Saban, Saban, Saban could have taken him out uh, much sooner. Uh, but at the same time, like we know, Tua, like Tua will put his everything on the line for his team. So I have a lot of respect for him there. Um, <clears throat> I do believe that – I don't even think he should have played, in my opinion. But it, for a guy like Nick Saban, uh, a guy who understands what his team needs to do in order to make the playoff, I think he understood that Alabama had to win big in this game and that they do for the rest of the season in order to make the playoff. And the best way for his team to do that was to start Tua. Um and a lot of people, it's something that could have been avoided, but a lot of people just want to blame Saban. And that's where they that that's where they get it wrong because football is a game where you are risking everything on every single play. And no matter what position you're in, it could be your last. It does not matter where like what position you play, where you are at on the field you are at risk of a life-threatening injury or an injury that can uh, co cost you a lot. So 
No, I don't think anyone is necessarily at fault here. Uh, I mean, obviously, Saban and Tua didn't plan on Tua getting hurt. So it's it's a lot of people want to blame Saban. But in my opinion, you, you can't really blame anyone. This is just the art of the sport. Yeah, I'm definitely with you there. I don't believe that. Um, I want to say it's Saban's fault because, you know, from what I read was that Tua wanted to come out with two minutes left. Or not, excuse me, the other way around. Saban wanted to take him out because, you know, of his, uh, his ankle or his ankle injury. And so... Um, Tua convinced him to go on one more drive, two minutes. He just wanted to play. He's going to take him out at halftime, whatever. And, um, and then, but it goes along the lines of should he have played or not? And I believe he should have because Alabama wanted to prove to this committee in every way possible because they really don't have anything left to prove besides playing us. So um, they wanted to run the score up, get as many points as they can to prove the committee that they should be in the top four, which even with Tua, I still don't think that they would have gotten in. Um, this is just so unfortunate because this hurts his draft stock. So, yeah, with that and, said, I mean, go ahead. With that, with that, like, it hurts his draft stock, but I still think he's a first-round pick. I don't think – and anyone who thinks that he should come back, you're nuts because after suffering an injury like this, I mean, he only lost a couple of million, but if he gets hurt again next season – it's he's done for 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 like a long time and probably forever depending on the extent of the injury um we can i mean we can finally say that Tua is injury prone and he'll fall he won't go he probably won't go number 1 in the draft and stuff but i'm sure he'll he will still go high i think he'll get drafted on the first night um i do i do feel for him cuz it's such a bad thing i mean it ended bo jackson's career uh luckily for Tua this isn't uh, this isn't to the extent of Bo Jackson's, but it is a very brutal injury, and it's going to take him a lot of time to get better and kind of get back into the get get back into the wheel of things and just keep moving forward. But it's going to take him some time. But right now, we don't have any timetable for his return, and it's going to. This is an injury that's going to, like I said, it's going to take time. So we don't really know how long it is but it, this is a devastating for Tua yeah and um I'm with you there I think Bo Jackson's injury it was very close but Bo got hurt you know early 90s so or late 80s uh, I don't know when it was I was oh, almost 30 years ago if not 30 years ago so obviously medical technology and uh we've made a lot of medical advancements in the, in the 21st century so uh even if he would have gotten to the extent of Bo's I think he would have made a full recovery because you know um I don't know. I watched the 30 for 30, obviously. I don't remember what they said about his injury. But uh, Bo, like, ruptured an artery and had an internal bleeding and stuff. So yeah, I think they would have been able to fix that. So Yeah, and that's the that's the issue with this injury because, like, I'm not exactly sure if Tua did the same thing with the artery because with the hip, if you dislocate it like they, like they both did, um, you can have a very serious injury like that. And for Tua, he dislocated his hip and fractured his posterior wall. And I I don't know about his artery, but that's exactly what happened to Bo Jackson's where he couldn't, like, play afterwards because it messed up his artery so bad. Yeah, so with that said, um, my last question to you is, um, how do you think Alabama performs the rest of the year with Mac Jones, and do you think this hurts their playoff implications? Yeah, absolutely. And the fact that they were ranked number five again after a, after this win at Mississippi State, I understand that 
they want to get Alabama in the playoffs so badly. Um, however, Mac Jones only put up three points for Alabama after Tua was hurt. He was in for an, like about a half. I, yeah, he was in for the entire second half. And I, I just think that's ridiculous that they're still number five. And I don't see this going well for them. I truly believe that Auburn has a ridiculously good opportunity to beat Alabama in two weeks. So, um, no, this isn't going to go well. But if they want to make the playoff, they're going to need everyone to lose, essentially. Um, everyone in the top ten to lose. And then they have to beat uh, they have to beat whoever they play this weekend. I believe it's an FCS school. And then Auburn's are going to have to beat both teams by a lot of points in order to prove that Mac Jones is the real deal and Alabama is just legit. But I just don't see it happening because the way he played against Mississippi State wasn't pretty. And I don't think that an, an Auburn defense is not going to treat him the same way that uh, Mississippi State's defense did. Yeah, and um, that moves us on to our next game where Notre Dame played at home in South Bend against Navy and won 52-20. to 20. Um, Personally, I think this game really, really, really hurt Navy's implications for a New Year's Six Bowl. And, uh, but that goes into our, my question for you is, do you think Notre Dame has kind of solidified themselves for a New Year's Six Bowl? No, I don't. Um, there's a lot of teams in front of them that are battling for those last couple of spots. I believe that um, Notre Dame could possibly make the Orange Bowl or the Cotton Bowl, but they won't go any further than that. I don't think they've solidified anything, though, because there are a lot of teams like Florida in front of them and Wisconsin and a bunch of other, a bunch of other schools who won't win their conference championship but will have the same record as Notre Dame and be more respected in the end. I just don't see it happening right now. I don't think they've solidified themselves, but – this was a big win for Brian Kelly and his staff because uh, a lot of people, of course, have talked about uh, Urban Meyer possibly getting hired at Notre Dame. But I feel like this game solidified him coming back after they won in such big fashion. But uh, with the loss at Georgia and then which was a close one, which is a very respectable loss. And then the loss uh, at Michigan where they got blown out. I think that that loss at Michigan will keep them out of a New Year's Six Bowl. Yeah, I'm definitely with you there. I think there's just too many teams in front of them, and uh, um, a lot of teams are going to have to lose. Uh, I don't think that Wisconsin would get in over them for a New Year's Six Bowl because, you know, considering they have three losses, and it's not like us where we have no, three Wisconsin losses. No, Wisconsin only has two, two losses. Right my now. fault. Um, you know, drawing a blank. That's what I am, I'm doing today. I'm just drawing a blank. <laughs> so, um, yeah, actually, I, I changed my mind. I think Wisconsin would get in over them, and, um, Notre Dame's both of their losses are quality losses, and um, honestly, I think if we were to beat Alabama, I think we'd get a New Year's Six Bowl over them because all of our losses are top ten teams. Two of them being on the road, and one being a seven point loss on the road. Or, I mean, at home against Georgia, who's a top four team. So um, we're we're the best three loss team that the game's seen in the last twenty years. So um, not best team because I just don't think that we're there, um, but. In terms of resume, we're the best three-loss team in the game seen in 20 years. So I honestly think just in speaking of us, we have more losses. We have more quality wins and quality losses. So we'd get a New Year's Six over them, uh, possibly in the Sugar Bowl if uh, if it's not the playoff this year but or the Cotton Bowl, whatever. 
Um, but I, I don't think we're going to get that. I think we're going to get in the Capital One, which uh, I'd love to go Orlando. Or go, go to Orlando, back to it, and I'd love for you to make the trip down. We can go to the game and stuff, but um, that's for another time. So, um, But, yeah, speaking of you know my team, that moves us on to our next game. Georgia went into Jordan-Hare and beat us 21-14, and um, Georgia jumped out 21 nothing at the start of the fourth quarter, and we started to rally, and uh, we got the ball back with seven minutes left looking to score and tie the game up, which uh, our defense played exceptional in the fourth quarter, and uh, we just didn't come through. And um, that's the way the game works, and we just couldn't give up a 21-0 big, uh, lead to, uh, to Georgia. Um, and, you know, props to Gus Mazan for getting a good offense going against a great Georgia defense in the uh, fourth quarter, but I think Georgia's defense got tired because their offense had like four three-and-outs in the second half, So, and three of them being in the – they had all th- uh, three-and-outs in the fourth quarter. So uh, my first question to you – is how would you rate Jake Fromm's performance on Saturday? Uh, not very good. Other like, I mean, he's had all three of their touchdown passes, but I mean, he only had a hundred ten yard, hundred ten yards passing, and he went thirteen for twenty eight, and that that speaks a lot because when you go thirteen and twenty eight, and no disrespect, but Auburn's defensive backcourt is not as great, but. Granted, they had a very good game on Saturday, and um, Jake Fromm's passing yards, like they their first touchdown was a fifty yard uh, touchdown pass from Jake, and the rest, I mean, that's that takes away a bunch of his yardage for pass passing wise. So, no, I, it's just it crushes me to see this because Jake Fromm's a very good quarterback, and I feel like this coaching staff with James Coley at, uh, at offensive coordinator has really hurt him and his draft stock. I still think he's one of the top five quarterbacks in this next draft, but this definitely hurts him and his case, and it just hurts their offense when he isn't able to perform at an ex- exceptional level. Yeah, I think his uh, his performance is, like like you said, it's going to hurt him late in the year, and I think that if he – this is very uncharacteristic of Fromm, and I still don't believe it's Fromm's fault. I really don't. Because why would there's there's no excuse for Fromm to have the drop off that he's having? Because last year, the first two years, Fromm looked like one of the best quarterbacks in, in the FBS. So there's no reason for him to just drop off. Like I don't really want to try anymore or whatever. I mean, I just don't think. I think it's the offense coordinator's fault. I think he's horrible. His no, play he calling is, is te- he's terrible, and he's not putting Fromm in a great position to succeed. And it's really hurting their offense. And if, if they have any different offensive coordinator, hell, they could take Chip Lindsey and do better. And Chip Lindsey was one of the worst offense coordinators we've had, except for the one we had in 2012. So, I mean, you could take Chip Lindsey, and he would at least put Fromm in a situation to succeed. So he's not putting Fromm in the best situation, and that's why he's going 13 for 28, 110 yards. Although he had three touchdowns, yet they were, you know, inside the 10, and one was a deep post route where Blaylock got behind her secondary. So if it doesn't step up, the offense coordinator doesn't do a better job, this is going to really hurt a Georgia team. It's got so much talent offensively. And they don't really have the right guy driving the boat. So, um, so my second question is, do you think that their inefficient offense can compete with LSU considering they have one of the best defenses in the nation? Meaning that if they were to, since they're going to play LSU in the SEC championship, um, could their defense, you know, obviously they're going to play well and they're going to stop LSU. LSU's not going to put up 56 on Georgia's defense. There's no way in hell that happens. So do you think that their offense can make it a game, you know, um, give themselves a chance to win, or do you think this is just a smooth sailing win for LSU in the playoff? 
I think I think they're gonna get ex, like exploited in that game. I really do. Georgia has a very good opportunity here to really turn things around in these last couple of weeks before the SEC championship offensively, but I don't think they're going to do it. They really just, I don't know what it is, but like they looked pretty good against Florida in the passing game. And then like the next week they dropped off again and it was very, it was very weird. And I mean, the defense for, um, the defense for LSU is very bad. Like we've discussed it, it's not, it's not very good at all, and they have to fix that because I mean, when you look at this offense that Georgia has, you're like, oh my god, this might be the most talented offense in the country. And then you watch them playing, then you watch them, and then you're like, what is what is going? What is this? Like, what's going on? And it's something that has to be fixed, and it has to be fixed now because. They're going. They have Texas A&M this week, and then they're going to blow by Georgia Tech, and then they're going to play LSU. And they the only way they're going to win that game is if they stop LSU's offense, which is very difficult. But if you need a defense to do that, uh, Georgia's might be just that good in order to do like in order to get the job done. Um, but the other way is if they were to put up more points than LSU. And that's very, very difficult. I mean, Alabama's talented team couldn't even do it. And I don't think that Georgia could. So right now, if I had to pick, I would take um, I would take LSU in a landslide over Georgia. That's where I kind of disagree with you. I think that the fact that LSU's defense is so terrible that Georgia's offense might be able to succeed. I think this offense coordinator might just kind of look good for one week. He's actually he might look good. He might make the offense look just play well. Fromm might have a field day, which is how it should be. But like I said in a previous statement, he's not been put in a situation to succeed. So I think against an LSU defense, he will. But uh, and I think their defense will be able to stop LSU. Do I think they're going to win? No. But do I think there's a chance? I think it's probably about six uh, seventy-five twenty-five. I think if Georgia just capitalizes, creates turnovers, which is very hard to do against LSU. So, you know, if just LSU comes out and has a horrible day, I think Georgia's going to be able to capitalize and they can win. But if I just had to pick right now, LSU's the clear winner. I just don't think that – I don't think LSU would put up 50. I think LSU would put up somewhere around 31. But I just don't think Georgia's offense is going to be able to keep up with their offense, you know, because I think LSU's defense can still make stops when it counts. So Yeah, uh, and I, I, I agree with you there. Like, I feel like we obviously know that LSU has, like, a lot of talent on their defense – they just haven't like shown it yet, and it's really weird. But like, they are obviously talented, and they, like you said, you put that perfectly. They can make stops when they need to, and I feel like they will. And I think that Georgia defense will definitely have like a good day against LSU. It just won't be good enough because LSU is just they just get going, and then they're going like they're on fire immediately. It literally takes one drive, and then they're set for the rest of the game. So. It's going to take a bunch of disruptions. But if I had to pick that game right now and the score, I would probably say LSU is going to score probably about 28, and then Georgia might score like uh, like 16 or something like that. I don't think Georgia can put up a whole lot of points right now. And like you said, though, there's a, there's a possibility there because uh, if DeAndre Swift gets fed a lot, and, I mean, we saw it this past weekend, they can't – this LSU team can't really stop the run. Not and at they're all. Gonna, yeah, they they can't stop the run. So if they feed DeAndre Swift a lot and then put 
and then run some play action or something with Jake Fromm, I think they have a very good shot at winning that game. But right now, I, nothing has shown me and given me confidence that this Georgia team can go into Atlanta and beat LSU. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I'm with you, man. And uh, it, it just comes down to Georgia and create turnovers, which if they can do that against an LSU offense, that is fantastic because Burrow's throwing four picks this year. Not four. He's thrown six now since uh, he had two on Saturday. But forcing turnovers against an LSU offense is very hard. I think the only reason why they turned the ball over against Ole Miss is because they kind of came out and was like, screw it, whatever. We're just going to just heave the ball. Like That's really what it came down to. He still threw five touchdowns, and they still scored 50 points. So, I mean, with turning the ball over, you're, LSU's going to have to have a very bad day offensively. So, with Georgia's defense, they can hold LSU to 28 points, 31 points. And if Georgia's defense can force turnovers and Georgia's offense can capitalize, I think Georgia could really win this game. So, it just matters how Georgia's defense plays. Because Georgia can win the national championship. I'm going to sit here and tell you that. I really think they can. It just – their defense is going to have to get so cracked at the end of the year. They're going to have to force turnovers – the offense is going to have to capitalize with those turnovers, and their offense is, is going to have to be very, ex- not very, extremely efficient in the red zone. They're going to have to capitalize on every opportunity they get in the red zone. They're going to have to stop going three and out, okay, because that's a huge problem. That really hurts their defense in the fourth quarter is the fact that they can't succeed at least a little bit offensively because their defense is getting so tired. It's like watching us. Georgia is like another version of us, except that they just have more talent on their team. That's all it really comes down to. So they do, they do the same thing as us. They punt, and then their defense comes back out. When the fourth quarter comes around, they keep going three and out, and their defense is like, <gasps> like breathing heavy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So there's a lot that goes into it, and I think if Georgia's defense can stay off the field and not be so tired, they can beat LSU. So um, with that said, moving on to Minnesota and Iowa. And Minnesota, this game is like we both talked about. Minnesota should have won this game. They uh, failed to execute inside the red zone. Uh, they had a, a turnover on downs. They had a missed field goal, and they had a missed PAT, which that missed field goal in the PAT could have tied the game up at 23 in the fourth quarter with Minnesota getting the ball back. So uh, my first question to you is, or my only question to you is, do you think that Minnesota can make the playoffs where they went out and beat Ohio State in the Big Ten title game? Yeah, I mean, it's whoever they play in the Big Ten title game like they if you can't leave a minnesota team with who with just one loss at iowa where we've seen a lot of teams uh seasons end actually and just their dreams come to die in kinnick stadium uh you can't really leave that out and tanner morgan had a really good day and i mean they outgained iowa 431 to 290 in yards so it the gophers just got going way too late for this one in this one, and that was the issue. Uh, Iowa owned the first half. They were leading 20-6. to six. And in the second half, we obviously saw uh, Tanner Morgan lead his squad, and they went out there and they made it a game. And uh, I blame a lot of – I have a lot of blame for the kicker here because they lost by four points, and the Minnesota kicker missed a field goal and an extra point. So – you add that to get if you add that up, I mean that's four points. So that's pretty brutal. And I mean you can't leave a Minnesota team who, if they were to win out, you cannot leave them. Uh, you can't leave them out in the playoff. Leave them out of the playoff. I really, I truly believe that. And it's gonna be, it'll be very tricky for the committee if it comes down to it. 
I don't think it will. But if it were, you have to put Minnesota in over some of these teams. Yeah, I'm definitely with you. If they were to beat Ohio State, who's going to be undefeated going to the – not – I take that back. Let me let me take that back. The way Michigan's <laughs> playing, if Ohio State was to go into the Big Ten Championship, which everyone presumes they're going to be undefeated, that can obviously change going into Ann Arbor and playing Penn State this weekend. Do I think they're going to go in undefeated? Yes, I do. But, uh, well, actually, that depends how Ohio State plays this week against a team that's, you know, worth a shit. So, with that said – if Ohio State is playing like we all have seen them play, uh, they're going to be just firing, just on fire going into the Big Ten title game. So if Minnesota can beat them and take them down, yes, Minnesota should be in. Because Iowa, you know, has taken down teams like Michigan when they were ranked, what was it, second or third in the nation in 2016? So, or 2017, either or. But they took them down. It was 2016, and in 2017 they took down Ohio State. So with that said, I mean, you can't really – leave them out. I mean, I just, the committee, I don't think that they would, but um, it just comes down to how everything plays, and I think that they would. They're only a one-loss team. Their loss was to four points in a game that everyone knows that they should have won, and um, Iowa just just plays so well at home. So, um, but yeah, I think that if they can, that's my final answer. I think that if they can, they will get in, and um, that moves us to the finale game from this week, and that is Oklahoma versus Baylor, and this is obviously, um, just gonna say the elephant in the room. Baylor won or was up twenty-eight to three, and uh, they pulled an Atlanta Falcons. So they lost thirty-four to thirty-one, and um, Oklahoma just played so well in the second half. And I obviously think that Baylor should have won this game. Everyone thinks that they should have. They should have ran away with this game, but um, they had turnovers in the second half that created momentum shifts and a costly interception on the last drive where they could have kicked a field goal and it could have went to overtime. So um, I do think Baylor's a better team than Oklahoma, hands down, no questions asked. I, I think that the way Baylor played, they're one of the best teams, top six in the nation. That's why I ranked them in my top six. And they can get better, and they're going to play. Um, just a side note, in the Big 12 standings right now, Oklahoma's up top and Baylor's at number two. The third-place team is Oklahoma State at four and three in the conference. So um, all Baylor and Oklahoma have to do is win this week, and they're in the Big 12 championship game, and they will rematch um, at a neutral site in Dallas. So... Um, with that said, uh, do you think that Oklahoma won this game or Baylor lost it? I'd say it's a little bit of both. And a lot of people don't want to give credit to OU for this one, but like they did everything they could to keep that Baylor offense off the field. Their defense showed up in the second half and they, they had a lot of miscues in the first half, but going into the second half, that defense was on fire and for the Sooners and, they literally just two things. They they let Baylor have sixty nine yards of offense in the second half, and they and Baylor only had sixteen plays on offense in the second half. So, if that doesn't put it in per, into perspective for you, Oklahoma dominated this game, and it obviously what it didn't seem that way in the first half. But no twenty eight to three lead is safe, as we know since the since Super Bowl fifty one, and. It was, I mean, another thing is Oklahoma had 41 minutes and 11 seconds of possession. So, and like, just every, if you look on paper, you you point at this game and you're like, how was it ever close, truly? Because, I mean, Oklahoma gained them, outgained Baylor by 200 plus yards. Um, But like, like you said, Baylor absolutely balled out in the, in the first half and it looked like this game was over and obviously it wasn't. And Charlie Brewer looked like the best quarterback in the country for a long time. And 
they just looked on and it was shocking to me just to see how they were playing so well and that we all thought that game was over at halftime everyone was like yeah Baylor's got this one in the bag but they came out flat in the second half and I think they're more complete than Baylor or than Oklahoma is but I don't know if they're the better team just because Oklahoma has better athletes but what we've seen is that Baylor is a legit team that we have to reckon with and they still are alive for the playoff. It's just their chances are very slim. Yeah, they're going to have to win out in the Big 12 championship. And, you know, Minnesota is going to have to lose. Um, and that four spots going to have to be open. And I don't I don't know how the committee is going to put them over Oregon or Utah. Just because they're ranked higher than them, they're going to have to beat the beat the piss out of Oklahoma. And Oregon and Utah is going to have to be like six to three. Like, you know, like the big, uh, I mean, the Pac-12 championship was last year. I think it was like 10 to three. So the only touchdown was a pick six by Washington, which got them in the Rose Bowl. So um, it's so slim. Wait, who did they game. play? Who did they play in that game? Was it Utah? Uh, I want to say it was Utah. That's who I think, I think it was. So too. I think so, so too. Because um, I know. Yeah, I think it, I think it was. So um, that or Colorado. No, I think it was Utah. I don't know yeah. why. I, I was thinking of Colorado because you know Colorado played somebody uh, one year. In the Pac-12 championship, um, no, it was Utah. Yeah, it, uh, Washington played Colorado the year they went to the playoffs. So yeah, it, it was Utah. So um, and I think that games where a lot of the hype with Utah came because uh, I know at the beginning of this year they were talking about Utah could win the Pac-12 and get in and go undefeated, and I was like, you're nuts! Like, where is this coming from? And I think that the way that they played in the Pac-12 championship, and you know, Utah, their only touchdown that they gave up was a pick six. So this Utah team has gotten better. So, um, really, they have no – they're a lot like Clemson right now. Um, Clemson's proven, but they're not – I mean, they're a lot more proven than Utah. Utah is not that proven. Oregon's sort of proven. Their only game worth the note is playing against us in a game, which I'm going to sit here and tell you they should have won. They should have ran away with that game too. Um, Absolutely. But, um, it just didn't happen that way, and Oregon should be undefeated right now. They're not. Um, but we're damn eagle. <laughs> but, I mean, yeah, but, like, what you're saying is, that, like, Baylor, Baylor basically has – they're like a lot of other teams, and the entire Big 12 is actually. I feel like Oklahoma has to win out. Both teams have to win out. And be, whoever wins the Big 12 championship, I'd say, isn't in unless someone loses or unless Oregon or Utah loses or uh, something else happens. They, they need a lot to happen in order to make the playoff. Yeah. So um... – it just it sucks to see that Baylor's just like on the edge. Their their chances are probably below ten percent. I don't know what the FPI percentage. Of no, their 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 chances of making the playoff went from four point four percent to one point one percent. Yeah, that's um, that's. But that's I am really... saying there's a chance. I there is a chance. There's no a chance. There is a chance. No doubt. <laughs> I mean, I think at this point in the year, I think Ohio State was ranked like 11th when they won the national championship in 2014. So, um, I mean, I, I don't know what that was. I wish I would have pulled it up, but I didn't. But I, I know because I know when the first playoff rankings came out, we were in the top four, and they were like they weren't even the top 15. They were like 17 or 16 or something like that. Yeah. So, um, a lot can happen. It's college football. Uh, not like what can happen in college basketball because that's so unpredictable. But um, with with this, a lot can happen still, um, and we'll see how it plays out. And you know, I'm going to be rooting for Baylor. That's that's the one team I want to see just kind of make it. And because uh, you know, after all they've been through, and this is kind of crazy. And um, 
See, they might pull Miami. You know how Miami was in 2017. You know, they they just they played Notre Dame. <laughs> I know we both said that Notre Dame was going to kill Miami, and then Miami I comes against forty to eight, and then they went against Virginia Tech as well, and then they drop a game at Pitt. So Baylor could you know drop the last two games because uh, you know they play Texas this weekend. Um, I think they play Texas on the road. They, I know I take that back. I think they play them at home. I, I I remember saying they have Oklahoma and Texas both at home, and um, so. We're going to see how it plays out, and uh, I'm going to be rooting for Brewer and the, the rest of the Baylor Bears. So that brings us into our next week's games. And the first game to note is obviously Texas at Baylor. So, yes, Baylor is at home. So um, who do you have winning this game, and what's your score, and uh, why? Uh, right now I have Baylor winning this game 28-23. to 23. And half the reason is just because it's in, it's in Waco. Um, and we've established it, but – Texas is not back, and they never were, and last year was probably a fraud, and yeah, so, and Baylor is coming off of a, a very tough loss, and I mean, I, I don't know if you watched that after the game, but it was just brutal to watch uh, the alma mater and stuff for Baylor, it was just horrible, it was, it was gut-wrenching, but I think Baylor, I, all Baylor really has to do, it like, all, it, they just have to hold the ball a little bit longer, and they'll win this game. And they have to make stops defensively, and I think they can because this Texas offense has struggled against teams in the Big Ten, who like against other defenses in the Big or Big Twelve, who are not that good. And this Baylor defense is very good. And if they're able to make stops against this Texas team, I don't really, get, I can't see Texas making uh, pulling off the upset. Yeah, Baylor would have to to lose this game. Baylor's gonna have to be like, well, our season's over. We lost. Like, we're gonna have to come out laying eggs. So I, I don't see that happening. I think Baylor's gonna come back and fire back. I think they're gonna win like somewhere around forty-five to twenty-seven. I think that honestly, I think they're gonna win by a large margin. I don't think it's gonna be close. Um, Texas is just morally, they're just so shot right now, and uh, their confidence is completely gone. And I'm just gonna give it up to you, man. I, I love how you just said they were a fraud. Last season wasn't fraud. I mean, that's great. I, I love to hear that. But, um, yeah, so I think they're going to win 45 to 27. Uh, this game's at home, and I think Baylor's going to win out. And, uh, I, like I said, I think they're going to beat Oklahoma in the Big 12 championship. So, um, assuming Oklahoma wins out, which I think that they will. So, um, that moves us on to our next game. is number 25 SMU going into Annapolis to play Navy. So, um, my prediction for this game is I think SMU is going to win this game. Um, but then again, Navy's triple option is hard to stop. They still got 380 total yards against Notre Dame's defense with the triple option. So Navy could come out, beat SMU, uh, possibly win the American. and shoot. I mean, honestly, I think whoever wins the American, as long as they're one loss, um, will get into the New Year's Six. So if SMU wins yeah, out, American, we'll get into the New Year's Six. Uh, if Navy can win out, because I know Navy uh, has uh, has only one conference loss. So this is a huge game right now. So... Mm-hmm. Um, if Navy can win this game, I think they can get in the New Year's Six Bowl. Uh, I think they deserve it. Um, we'll see how it plays out, but I, I have SMU winning this game by a touchdown. Yeah, I have SMU uh, winning by uh, two touchdowns, and that's just because um, what happened this past weekend at, at Notre Dame for Navy wasn't really – it wasn't like an issue like, wow, they really didn't play well. Like, they played very well, and it was a clo- – it should – should have been a close game. Like they just magically the happened to lose by 32 points. No, yeah, it was, I mean, like, 
they their defense couldn't stop Ian Book. And I mean, when you're playing an SMU team, that's that's an issue. And this this SMU team just fiends for these big plays. Like that's all they can get. Like they they'll throw a fly like a deep ball, and then it's game over for whoever's playing them. And Navy, a team like Navy, can't get into a shootout. The, and w- the issue that Navy had last week is that they fumbled the ball three times, I believe. And when you fumble the ball, that makes it easy for the other team to capitalize. And I'm sure we're going to see that this week at, at, um, in Annapolis, and SMU is going to capitalize on it. And it's as simple as that. And uh, if it becomes a shootout, for like I said, Navy does not stand a chance in this one. Yeah, the thing with the triple option is that um, I think if they can have a good, successful offense that's semi-efficient, um, they're going to run the clock, chew the clock, and chew into SMU's offensive time because all, SMU scores like 50-plus points almost every single week. So in their only loss this year, I think that they scored 40-plus points. So um, if they can cut into SMU's time with the ball, that because I don't think SMU's going to stop the triple option. So SMU's going to have to be extremely efficient on offense, and whenever they get the ball, they're going to have to score – because I do not see them scoring. Uh, uh, excuse me. I, I do not see them stopping Navy's offense. So, and I don't believe Navy's going to turn the ball over like they did last week. I, you know, they're coached and they're very well disciplined. And um, I just don't see that happening. So, when SMU gets the ball, they're going to have to score. And if they don't, Navy can seriously win this game and possibly win the American. That moves us on to our next game. Texas A&M goes into Athens, Georgia, and I do not see A&M pulling off an upset. I don't see them scoring more than ten points, and I have Georgia winning by seventeen. Yeah, um, I'm with you. I got Georgia 27 to 13. Um, I'm really interested to see interested to see how Kellen Mond plays this weekend, and um, I think he's gonna have a tough day. And he might throw for a bunch of yards. I don't know if he'll be able to finish drives. And the difference between Texas A&M is like, or for A&M is that they just can't beat these elite teams. They're not there yet, and like. Keyword is yeah, it's going to take a couple years for Jimbo, um, but this just wasn't the year. And I mean, Kellenmon hasn't had as good of a season as we thought he would. But it's gonna. I feel like this is going to be similar to how AM played against Clemson in in week two, I believe it was of the season. And yeah. I think it'll be. I think it'll be similar to that where we see a t- one team. I feel like Georgia will struggle a little bit. Uh, offensively, but nothing crazy. I think I think AM puts up 13 points, but I just don't see them being able to finish drives like uh, against this Georgia defense because it's so tough to go up against. Yeah, well, with that said, I just don't think they're going to be able to run on Georgia's defense. And um, with, with no running game, that really puts a lot of pressure on Kellen Mond, who thrives with the ability to run the ball in, with a running game. So Because we both know... <laughs> Very well that he cannot draw back in the pocket and toss 550 yards on you. He's not Joe Burrow, okay? He's not Anthony Gordon from uh, from Washington State. He's not um, Iowa's quarterback, so uh, his name's blanking off my head. But a guy's that can fire the ball, so he's not going to do that. He throws for 250 yards and maybe puts 100 on the ground. That's a good game for him. So and he's not going to be able to run the ball, so it's going to put a lot of pressure on him. He's going to have to throw the ball a lot. He's going to face a really good pass rush that I do not believe AM's offensive line is going to be able to stop. So uh, we'll see how it is. You never know. Nobody predicted South Carolina to beat Georgia at home. So they could really, really end Georgia's chances of uh, contending for a national championship. Do I think it's going to happen? Definitely not. Like I said, I got Georgia by 17, 27 to 10. 
And uh, like I said, that moves us on to our next game. Number 13, Michigan, goes into Indiana. I'm not sure where Indiana plays. Um, I know have, it's Indiana. You were about to say it, and I was like, wait. I wanted, I wanted actually, to say a city. Does but, actually uh, know the city? <laughs> it's like, I think it's like Blueford or Bluefield or Bluffield or something. Somewhere that be, I, I, I noticed. Yeah, you look it up. But, uh, yeah, I, I think Michigan's just been playing such good football lately, and uh, I don't see them slowing down. Um, but like I said in previous podcasts, that Michigan has a chance to just come out laying egg, and Indiana played Penn State very well last week after they lost their quarterback for the rest of the year. So we're going to see how it is. I got Michigan going up 38-28. to 28. Yeah, I mean, well, ju- just for those who are curious, Indiana University is located in Bloomington, Indiana. Hey, I was close. I was close. <laughs> you were close. I'll give you credit. But, um, no, I, I get what you're saying there. And, in I mean, Shea Patterson, I don't know if you heard what he said earlier this week, but he said something like, oh, we're not really worried about we're – we're not worried about anything other than the, the, um, the game against Ohio State. Like, that's it. Like, he didn't even bring up Indiana. And Indiana's a very respectable team right now. Like, they're only 7-3. and three. Um, They should be – I feel like they should be ranked right now. Like, they put in a backup quarterback last week, and he's he didn't skip a beat. Like, they gave everything to Penn State. And that's just what it comes down to for me. And, like, I don't think Indiana's going to get the job done here. I think it's a 31-21 victory for Michigan. Michigan's defense is just too good, like the, on in in the passing game and the running game. So I don't think this is going to be a game that they roll in. But I just feel like I just feel like this Indiana team is going to be able, be able to make it close. But they're just not they're just not there yet. Yeah, I'm definitely with you there. And um, there's not much else to say about that game besides the fact that I just think Michigan's too hot right now. And I know we both think that, and um, we're going to see yeah, how the rest of it plays out. They're probably, they're probably, like, one of the hottest teams in the country. Probably, like, I mean, if there's if their season started just a couple weeks ago, this team would be, like, top four. <laughs> just because, yeah. like, ever since halftime of that Penn State game, this offense has been off the charts. They've been hitting their stride. They finally found their identity. And, unfortunately, they had two losses before that, just keeping them out of the playoff conversation. But now they have a chance to play spoiler in two weeks at or against Ohio State. Yeah, and uh, speaking of Ohio State, it moves us on to our last game of the podcast. Number eight, Penn State is traveling to Columbus, Ohio. We got our right this time. Can't miss that one. Columbus, Ohio, <laughs> to play number two, Ohio State. And um, I know we both have the same opinion on this. I, at least I hope we do. I, I'm going to call you a crazy man if you don't. Ohio State's going to win this game by 20-plus points. I really believe that. I do not believe Penn State. I think morally they are so fried with what happened against Minnesota, and that's why they only won against Indiana by seven points. And going on the road, they're not going to beat Ohio State. I don't think Clifford's going to have do very well. He's going to get more death threats probably after the way he plays this week. Uh, I don't think he's going to do very well against Ohio State. I, I know that sounded terrible, but um, I was trying to lighten the mood. But yeah, I don't think he's in the No, very it's well. serious though. Like that's it really is. I mean, he if they lose, like we're saying, because I agree with you, it's gonna they're Ohio State's favored by nineteen points, and they're gonna beat them by twenty one. So you're absolutely right, because Penn State, they're crazy people, I guess, and 
suddenly which surprises me. I, I can't believe that. And speaking yeah. of the spread, speaking of the spread, I've seen a lot of like comments, you know, on Instagram or whatever about how I can't believe that Penn State's, you know, uh, or Ohio State's favored by 19 plus points and or 19 points. And I, people are like, I can't believe that. That's so I, we've been bamboozled, whatever. And I mean, I can see how it is because, you know, I can't believe a number two team is um, favored by 19 plus points. But people like you have to understand that Penn State's not going to be anywhere close. This is not going to be a game. Now, if this was in uh, Happy Valley, this is a different story. This is Absolutely. not in Happy Valley. This place is going to be loud and it's probably going to rain. So, um, Ohio no, State. It, yeah, Ohio State is just, they're just better at home. And I mean, Vegas obviously knows something that we don't, where people, like, we've seen it in the past, all season where spreads have been, where you've seen spreads that just make you scratch your head. But this one is, this one's pretty understandable to me. Like, Ryan Day, if, he, if this team gets rolling it early, Penn State doesn't stand a chance because Ryan Day is going to want to steamroll every team in his path. Like, he does not care. I, I, I don't think people understand that because there are some coaches who are like, all right, let's just, let's just get out of here. Let's put our backups in. He's gonna, he is a guy who is, no matter who, who it is, they're going to drive every team into the dirt. And this is going to be one of those games where Ohio State just puts it on uh, Penn State and Sean Clifford is going to have a very tough day. Like, he threw three interceptions at Minnesota. Like, I can only imagine what's going to happen at Ohio State. Because, like, and another thing where Ohio State is just the best team in the country and where they are going to win this game is that they're they're scoring 51.5 points per game and they're allowing 9.8 points per game. That's Which is the ridiculous. Best. That's the best. Yeah, that's the best in both categories. So I think that's probably one of the best – in like college football history because yeah, i know alabama's is. defense averaged like four points a game like you know in 2011 when their defense was cracked lsu probably averaged like five points but they didn't even have their offenses weren't even like top 25 in the entire yeah race. so and that's what i'm saying like where ohio state ohio state right now is in they're the best in offensively and defensively like that is the most complete team in college football where Penn State's defense is only allowing like tw- around 12 points per game, but their offense is scoring roughly 35 points a game. And that's a th- like, obviously, that can change week in and week out. But like, Ohio State is just that good. And they have athletes everywhere on the field, where Penn State only has a few playmakers offensively and a shaky quarterback, as we saw at Minnesota just two weeks ago. And they got a real good scare from Indiana, who Ohio State throttled just earlier this season. So, if you're if you're trying to compare these teams by who who they've played and the results of them, and teams that they've both played, Ohio State wins that by a large. They're they're just the better team in every single category that you talk about this game in. Yeah, and. Um... I don't think there's much left to be said about that. I, I think we both agree that Ohio State's going to run away with this easily. And that brings us to the conclusion of our podcast. And before we go, I definitely want to invite you guys to, once again, check out the podcast – or not the podcast. What, what am I talking about? Check out the website under Neville Settle Sports. This is our first, like, you know, this is our company. This is what we're starting. It's a partnership. And this is the beginning of something great. I, I know it is. I can feel it um, right in my gut. You know what I mean? I, I can feel it. And 
is the start of something great. Um, Patrick just put up a vlog today uh, as of Wednesday. So uh, Wednesday, November 20th. So uh, I will be having a blog coming out about Gus Malzahn, which is something I, I'm so excited about. Uh, it's not much of a blog. It's more of an article. And it's going over his entire time at Auburn. And it's going to let you come to the conclusion of whether or not you think he should be gone. And uh, we have a comment section. You can always comment. You can like on the posts. Uh, we will obviously be having our predictions for this next week up there. And uh, a lot of other comments and, you know, hot topics. You know, for example, who might Arkansas, or who Arkansas might hire, uh, the conclusion of the season, whatever. And uh, a lot more to come with college basketball. And it just started something great. And I'm so excited, man. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. And like this is, like you said, this is just a start. And right now we're doing college football, but we've, we said it earlier, we're going to keep going. We're going to keep doing every sport you can think of. And, and make sure, if you're listening to this, make sure to tell everyone you know. Make sure to tell your parents. Make sure to tell your friends. Make sure to tell your girlfriend or boyfriend. Tell whoever you are with or know and love and tell them that this podcast is great and that this website that we just put up is great. And we will be so thankful. And for those of you wondering what it is, it is neversettlesports.com, or excuse me, neversettlesports.wixsite.com slash neversettlesports. So check it out. Uh, we hope you guys enjoy it, and I hope we got, you guys have a great week. Catch us next week for another podcast, and check out the website once again uh, for more blogs to come. This is Never Settle Sports. Patrick and Gabe bringing you the seventh episode. Can't wait.